Today's podcast is brought to you by Eggshell Light Company. For over 45 years, Eggshell Light Company has been the go-to specialty shop handling the lighting needs for all that grace the shores of beautiful Hawaii. Combining the artistic methods of the theater with the speed and efficiency of the musical touring industry, they have pioneered event lighting throughout the Hawaiian Islands. They specialize in supply of top shelf equipment and designers for broadcast concerts, corporate, and special events. From the smallest weddings to televised concerts and the largest corporate clients, they know this is your most important event. It is their goal to make sure you feel that way. Aloha from Eggshell Light Company. Welcome everyone to another episode of LD at Large Podcast. My name is Chris Lose. I am the designer relations developer at Ayrton Lighting as well as columnist for PLSN Magazine. I hope we're all enjoying listening and reading. I am very excited today because every once in a while I will get feedback from my audience and they will reach out to me and they'll say, hey, you know who I would love to hear from? And they'll come up with X, Y, Z and I'll be like, you know what? I sent that person an email like a year ago and we haven't had a chance to catch up. And uh, it, it, it's always exciting to kind of reconnect based on a recommendation. And today is one of those days. Uh, I've been doing a, a handful of business with a, a gentleman named Drew Hester out of LA recently. He's, uh, he's, been a, he's been doing a great job flying the flag for us. And uh, he reached out to me. He was like, you know what? A really good friend of mine is, has been doing a great job of pivoting and uh, kind of transitioning and still growing despite the isolation period. And so today I get to reach out and kind of figure out how that's happening. So uh, please welcome Darius Medina. He is the founder and lighting designer at Lit Creative out of Los Angeles. Thank you so much for joining me today. I really appreciate it, Darius. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Good to link with you again as well. Yeah, this is one of the things where you and I, we've crossed paths a handful of times through emails and it's always been fairly fairly brief because uh, both of you and I have been just so busy the last five years that we've kind of crossed paths here and there, but we've never had a chance to just sit down for an hour and have a discussion. So today's the day we finally made it happen. Yeah, for sure. And um, it, it's crazy because this is kind of, it's kind of the blessing of this whole era is I've gotten to connect with so many people that I wouldn't normally be able to connect to because we're just always go, go, go. So to be able to kind of like sit back and relax and kind of make connections and respark connections is, you know, great. Yeah. I, uh, I asked, you know, back in 2019, I, I was asking for a little bit of time to relax. I didn't, I should have been more specific. I didn't want 11 months to sit back and relax, but, but I'll take it. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's weird because when I was touring and stuff, I always, every year I'm like, you know, this is the year I'm going to, you know, slow down, take a break. And it just never happened. I, I kind of like have this thought that everything happens for a reason and, and, you know, in some way. And this is like literally forced us all to just take a break and just reevaluate and rethink everything. And, um, being able to like, I, I like staying at home and having a normal sleep schedule and being able to eat healthy. It's, it's great. <laughs> <laughs> Man, you are, you might be adapting better than most then. Cause I, <laughs> I am not, I'm doing all those things that you're saying. I don't necessarily like it, but like the eating healthy, I'm, I'm, I'm on board. I'm going to keep that the regular sleep schedule. That's a tough one. How are you, like, do you have an alarm that goes off at the same time every day? Uh, pretty much, like, every day. So, I mean, before, my sleep schedule was, like, so fucked up. Like, I would I would go to bed 3 or 4 in the morning, uh, wake up at, like, 10, 11, just whenever, really, because I went to bed so late. I realize now that I have a normal schedule that just getting up early is like way better and just having a normal sleep schedule. I'm able to like answer emails and not like be a day behind on everything. Cause I'm waking up late. Um, but I set an alarm, like I get up like between seven and nine. What helps also is like my wife gets up to work also. And, um, she, uh, she has a business based in Australia. So, um, she's kind of on a different schedule, um, but gets up early. So that kind of helps me get up as well. Nice. 
Yeah, between seven and nine, that's uh, that's the most we can ask for as far as a regular sleep schedule. Yeah, I go to bed like by one, unless I'm like going out or, or some special occasion. But at one o'clock, I'm in bed. It's nice. <laughs> An honest to God, seven to eight hours of sleep is is something yeah. that we're just not really accustomed to. Yeah, and it took it took so long. I mean, once we stopped doing shows. Uh, it took a good month of me literally just sleeping. I would sleep in all day. Just, I felt like I just had to catch up from the years of like sleep I missed. And it's so funny because I even like looked it up. I was so interested in this and I, I looked it up. I'm like, if you, if you miss sleep, like does your body know and like need to re- like recover from that sleep? And apparently like you don't have to, like once you miss the sleep, the sleep is gone. You don't need to catch up for it. So maybe it's like, a thought in your brain or something. I don't know how it works, but I like not even kidding. Like a whole month, all I did was sleep. I just, I just caught up for all the years. <laughs> you just self-diagnosed yourself with sleepiness. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, man, I gotta, I gotta catch up for all these years. I've missed out a lot of sleep. I, I need to get it all in now before it's too late. You're like uh, your own doctor. Like, yeah, you've been diagnosed with sleepiness, and uh, the only cure is uh, sleeping. You got sleeping in. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So now, now I'm refreshed and I'm good. So, did you get into lighting because of the of the lifestyle? Was that I mean, was staying up yeah. part of your natural flow? It wasn't. I got into I got into production first before I got into lighting. And uh, it started super young. I was probably like 12 or 13 when I like was interested in production. And um, the story is actually kind of crazy. So um, in middle school, um, I had went, you have to do like, you have to do like your typing classes and like all that stuff. Um, One of them was PowerPoint and uh, we had to learn PowerPoint and all the slides and stuff my parents would take me to church, you know, every, every Sunday. And I noticed that they used um, PowerPoint for the lyrics for the songs on the screen. And now there's like other programs to do that, but they were using PowerPoint, you know, then I was like, Hey, like I'm learning that right now. Like I would rather do that than like just sit here, you know? Um, so I remember um, asking them, cause you know, you can always volunteer everyone pretty much, everyone there is pretty much volunteers. And then, you know, at the top, they have like the paid texts. Um, but I remember they wouldn't let me volunteer to do the PowerPoint because I was too young. I was like 12 or 13. And they're like, you can't, you can't, I had to be like 14 or 15 or something. They want they want to let me do it. I kind of started helping out a bit. Finally, when I was old enough, I started doing that. And then that's when I got into just operating cameras, doing audio, um, doing like the weddings and funerals and, you know, all that stuff. What got me into lighting, once I started going to shows, that's kind of what kicked it off for me. Once I got into like music and um, going to concerts, I I remember going to um, EDC. This was like probably like 2008 in LA. Um, and... I was really big into like electronic music, kind of when everyone hated it and everyone would talk shit about that music. And now it's like super popular. Everyone was like, oh, you, you, go, to, you go to raves, you're going to get like stuck with a needle. Like that was like the thing then, like you're going to get, you're going to get stuck with a needle and get AIDS. Like that was literally what everyone would say. And I'm like, okay, you have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> Because that's what happens to all of them. Yeah, that was like, that was literally the, like, the thing that everyone would say about it. I'm like, okay. (laughs) Um, Anyways, when I, when I started going to, you know, those festivals, I saw, I just saw production on a scale that I never even knew was possible. It was like, it was like a kid in the candy store type of thing. Like I saw these small, you know, wedding and like church production stuff. I never knew there was these huge festivals that had production on that scale. Um, and when I saw that, I got, I got hooked right away. I, I saw, you know, all the lights and video. And um, from that moment, that's when I, you know, I told myself like, that's a job right there. Like the people like running that, like that's a job and I, I want to do that. 
And my whole goal has been to get to that point from there. Nice. From teleprompter at the church to mega events in, uh, in just a few short years, even. Yeah, yeah, for sure. The process definitely has taken a, a lot of work, um, a lot of naysayers and just keep going. Um, but I have, you know, kind of made it to that point. A lot of the, a lot of the struggles have just been like, there's so many steps getting to there from, from, you know, being a tech to being a loader to even being an LD and getting those opportunities. They don't just happen. Um, so yeah. No, there's no guidebook, no, nothing like that for our industry. There's, you can't just go to school and then go straight to work and follow the steps that, uh, that are laid out. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I, I think that's, you know, I have, now that I am doing that stuff, you know, I have a ton of people that will email me and message me on Instagram, stuff like that. Just asking the same questions, you know, like, Hey, how do I, how do I do that? Like, do I go to school? Do I do that? And, um, I just love like helping those kind of people out or at least like guiding them because I was in that place as well. There's a lot of people, you know, that I know that like, oh, I just got into it because I knew, you know, this guy and they said they needed help type of thing. Um, but to have no connections in the industry at all and kind of get to that point um, is pretty difficult, I would say. Do you ever recommend the church route? Um, no. Um, <laughs> That's not the, it's not the preferred route? Yeah, it's not the preferred route. Uh, I mean, there's a few guys, um, Tyler uh, Santiago, um, he does like Kid Cudi right now and stuff like that. Like he came from a church background and uh, we kind of grew up around the same time. Um, he worked at a bigger church than I did. But um, the people that are doing like the big event stuff now, um, they're kind of, uh, they kind of are stuck in that church scene and it doesn't really grow from that. Um just it's just a whole it's just a whole different scene than music and production is and they're kind of stuck to one style one way um where music it's, you can just be way more creative with what you want to do so i i kind of started off um doing uh just being like a loader and i i thought getting to that point of running lights you know for the artists at the festival i thought doing that meant you have to work for the production company so that was my goal is like, I need to work for the production okay. company that does these events. So that was my first like kind of goal is like, I need to work for a production company that does those events. I literally, and, and my goal was to move to LA. I lived in Ranch Cucamonga at the time. It's in Inland Empire, about an hour out of LA. And those are my two, kind of my two goals, like get to LA or get as close to it as I can. Also uh, work for, a production company that does these events so i could you know be the ld for it um, all right so how did you target a production company so it's really funny actually uh, i literally went on google and i didn't i mean i was i was maybe by this time maybe i'm like 18 or so um i didn't know what all the popular production companies are because i wasn't in the industry to do that to like know you know um a felix lighting and four wall not like i didn't know what those companies were right. so um i literally went on google maps and i typed in lighting production company and every single lighting production company in la i sent an email to nice. everyone there's there's got to be like 50 50 of them <laughs> that all did i sent an email to every single one <laughs> most of them i didn't hear anything back some of them i did but i was too young um or not experienced enough a couple people gave me a chance one of them was uh, ELS they cool. they're bought by someone else now I think four wall or one of those companies bought them out yeah. um but I worked with them um that was the main one I worked with and I was just a loader and they mainly did like movie premieres and stuff so we'd go to Hollywood set up the barricades and press lights and red carpet um stanchions and all that stuff um, we do a couple like more production things like E3 and stuff like that, but it was just, you know, hanging Lico's, putting gel in, running cable, unloading trucks. Um, I did that. And I also worked for, um, 
I believe it's called uh, James Thomas. They're like a, um, they're kind of like a, they kind of hire crews for big productions, um, just right. unloading trucks for arenas and stuff. Did some of that stuff, but all of it was literally just unloading trucks. Um, and, you know, this whole time I have been doing lighting at the church, you know, the whole, I knew how to program and I knew how to run lights. Um, they had a, they had an Ava lights there, Ava lights 2000, the Pearl. Um, mm-hmm. I was using that. Um, I knew that console had no knowledge of a grand MA or even knew what a grand MA was. Um, didn't know any of that stuff, Nice, um, but I knew how to program on the AVO and I was loading, you know, all this stuff. Um, and so what was in your, what was in your email to the production companies? Like, Hey, I want to run lights or was it like, um, Hey, I'm an 18 year old kid and I want to know more. No, I didn't say my age or anything like that. It was more of, um, I'm, you know, a lighting programmer. Okay. Um, and you know, I, I mentioned my church background. Um, but I, I just didn't have enough experience. I mean, you can right. easily, you can easily filter out those people. I get those emails now and I can filter <laughs> that out. So, but somebody it's, it's, got that email and they're like, Hey, you know, you got to like, push hey. cases first. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, yeah, sure. <laughs> if you want to, you want to push cases for, you know, cheap day rate, like sure. Um, and within, you know, those, uh, <laughs> within all those people, like, they all kind of want to do the same thing. All, it, right. all the people that are like working for, the, for, uh, for production companies, like pushing cases and stuff, like they all want to do something better than that. Um, so it's kind of like, I think that's the good starting point, really. And I picture somebody responding to your email like, hey, Darius, you want to run lights for Major Laser? And you're like, yeah, yeah okay, start pushing these cases. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so uh, what happened from there? Basically, I did, I did that for quite a bit. Uh, maybe two years or so. Um, and I had applied at um, House of Blues in Anaheim. Um, they're in downtown Disney. Uh, then they're part of downtown Disney. And um, I had applied there um, a little bit after I applied for the production companies and stuff. But I applied there because they had an Avalites console there. So they had the same console that right. um, I had already knew and learned. And um, I remember, I don't remember what gig it was, but I was doing a movie premiere thing in LA. And um, when, when, I, when I emailed them, same thing, hey, we'll keep your, keep your record on file. We'll get back to you if we need anything type of thing. I got cool. Very I got polite. so many of those. I just, you know, I'm like, all right, that's, that's <laughs> over. Like, I, I know what that means. <laughs> um, and <laughs> two, this, is, this is two years later. So two years later, I remember I was like pushing cases doing this... Um, doing this uh, movie premiere and it was house of blues that called me and um it was it's crazy because it was two years later that this happened they called me like hey we had your um info on file um our current ld uh has left like are you willing to come in for an interview and i was like yes like sure um and uh i did an interview like that same week and um I got the job like that, that day, I got the job immediately. Um, I don't know what happened to the old guy or what, but they were obviously scrambling and couldn't find someone. And um, I must've just been one of the people on the list that they called. Um, I came in and um, I got the job and everything kind of started from there. um, Once I started working at House of Blues. Congratulations, you're hired. Your first show is tonight. Yeah, 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 exactly. You have a Leatherman, get to it. Yep. <laughs> I hope you brought your USB stick because you're uh, you're on <laughs> tonight. <laughs> yeah, you got DJ too. Um, <laughs> yeah, so yeah, that's that's kind of where everything took a turn for sure, um, and it took a turn from there because I was finally doing you know music stuff. I I just I learned so much from being there. Um, I would come in, you know when they weren't even having shows just to program and do stuff. Um, I, I just, everything I do, I always um, just over put in effort. Um, I just feel like I'm always just trying to like prove myself and show that, you know, I'm good at what I do. And um, I always, you know, just spend a lot of time. So I, I, I worked really hard there met a ton of LDs coming through and that's kind of what, what has helped me you know t- 
to do what I'm doing now is I've seen so many bands come through. I've seen so many LDs come through. I've seen all the different lighting packages and I've seen all the LDs and see how they program. And I just sucked all that in. I was, I stayed there for maybe like three years and um, I sucked, I sucked all that in. Um, I, I used that opportunity and every LD that would come in, I would ask questions. You know, they were, they're all using different consoles, different light, um, different lights. Um, they would set it up a different way. They would run lights a different way. They would program different ways. Um, I learned all of that. And um, the main question um, that I had asked was, um, how did you get to where you are? Um, because they were where I wanted to be. So I finally had these people right in front of me. So um, I asked them, you know, how, how did you get to where you are? And um, none of them said they went to school. <laughs> it was, <laughs> it was like 15% of them, you know, yeah. Out of like a hundred people I've asked, maybe 10 of them went to school and the 10 that did, they said it wasn't worth it. Um, so yeah. I was kind of going, um, I was taking like some classes. I, I had just got into college at that point. Cause I was like 18, 19. Um, and, um, I dropped out of school at, at that point. I was taking like semesters. I, I think I finished like one or two semesters of like community college. Um, some of it was in like lighting and theater and stuff, but it was all old, like ETC consoles, learning super basic stuff that just isn't usable now. Mm -hmm. Um, so I stopped doing that and I, I just started working. Um, yeah. Nice. So you went from the church where I would imagine you were volunteering to, uh, I imagine was, uh, above minimum wage, but nothing special pushing cases. And then. I'd imagine the House of Blues was something that was, you know, like, look, no, look, I have a job doing this stuff. This is awesome. Yeah, yeah, for sure. From there, that's how I just, I just worked really hard. And I learned, I learned a lot of how to just punt shows of just running shows because I didn't have any time to cue out songs or program anything. I'm just running lights for the openers or running lights for the bands that don't have LD that are coming in. Um, and that's kind of really how I grew my skill is, I saw all types of music from, you know, metal to electronic music to jazz to everything. And um, I, I got yeah, so is, diverse. This is one of the places where we have to kind of, you know, give props to the church environment where, yeah, you're not getting paid for it, but you did at least have the ability to uh, build your, your, uh, your confidence on a console that can yeah. get you a job later. You know, yeah, it's, it's a yeah. great stepping stone. Yeah, hundred percent. And um, I actually did get paid there. You know, uh, later on, um, I was like on staff and was getting like, um, I was getting paid, um, so that was good. But I, right I did on. work there a while, a while for free before that happened, obviously. But um, yeah, it was a great stepping stone. Um, I don't think I would be where I'm at now if it wasn't for that. Um, Zach Coaston and Joe Chapel, those are um, the two guys. I and mean, I was between like, you know, 15 and 17, like they actually gave me a chance and um, let me, I mean, I was doing everything from like burning. We would, we would uh, record all the services on like tapes. So I would have to put the tape in this like DVD burner and burn them to DVDs and then copy the DVDs so they could like, send out to people like I did everything from that to like I did like everything so um, I'm kind of thankful for that because I I learned not just lighting but I learned a little bit about just how all production stuff works and um, I use that in my background still today right on so you've you're at House of Blues for three years when did you finally decide like okay I've learned everything I can by osmosis here when did you uh, finally get the confidence to move on? Um, from that point, I, I got the confidence to leave once I started getting more freelance work than how much money I was getting paid working there. So um, there was, uh, I, I, I didn't, I got a few connections from House of Blues, but the main problem that um, they had there was since they were part of uh, downtown Disney and part of Disneyland, they would have to approve any artists that played there. So we couldn't get any of the big like hip hop acts or anything like that. Or um, it was mainly like Disney type of music. Um, they did have like metal bands and stuff like that. 
but um, it, they were very selective of it, mainly because um, it has to be like okay for kids, basically. Um, and Got it. yeah, so that made it, that made it really hard. But that's when um, the observatory in in Orange County, that venue um, had just kind of popped off. And they were the House of Blues competitor. They're they're in Santa Ana, and they got all the gigs there. They would get like Weezer, Travis Scott, like they would get all the art, Kendrick Lamar. Like they got literally like all the big artists. So I um I knew some guys over there. Um, uh, his name is John John Munoz. He worked over there. Um, he worked at House of Blues also. But a lot of people worked at at both venues. Um, and I started working there and that's when, that's when everything kind of got, you know, a lot, a lot better for me, um, because I was doing, they had, they had more lights, uh, they were getting bigger acts. Um, and from there, that's when I was doing a, I forget what the band was. I was doing lights for a band. And, um, after the show, this guy came up to me. And um, he was like, hey, hey, man, I really like um, I really like the show. Um, how long have you been working for this band for? And I was like, I, this is my first time hearing their music. Like, I don't work for the band. I work for the venue. And he was like, wow, dude, like that was really good. I thought you worked for the band. And um, that, that guy, he was the video director for Erica Badu. And he said, hey, like, let me get your contact. Um, I may have like a gig for you. And um, from that is how I got the Erica Badu job and um that kind of was my first that was my first like artist my first like artist gig was from that and it was just from doing a show and doing it really well um for a band I didn't even know and they thought I worked for the band so um that's kind of just that to, at that point that just kind of proved to me that like, you know if you just keep working hard eventually someone will notice eventually someone will notice the extra work you put in because a lot of the um, house LDs, you know, they kind of will just do the bare minimum or they're just kind of like annoyed to be there type of thing. But I was excited to be there and I just always worked hard and put in the extra effort, whether it was taking like, I would literally take lights like off the rig and put them on the floor and put them on cases like for an artist just because I wanted to like do something extra and just because I wanted to like try to design and do things. And, um, and then after the show, I'll have to tear it all down and put it all back. Uh, and no one else is really willing to do that extra work <laughs> because, you know, you're not, you're not getting paid to do that extra stuff. Um, but that's, that was my first, um, kind of, uh, artist gig. Um, and, um, that's when I got introduced to, I, I got kind of got introduced to Grand Ame from that too. Um, another one was, a. Uh, um, production company um his name is brian valdez i don't i don't think they have the production company anymore i think he does some other stuff now but um they did um like rock the bells and um all those kind of festivals back in the day and um they were doing an artist called uh, common kings um they're like a reggae artist and um same thing, they kind of uh, reached out to me to like do freelance stuff for them as a production company. And that's how I started doing um, the festivals. I started getting into festival stuff there. Um, and So one of the things you just touched on is something I think that needs a little bit more explanation. Yeah. Somebody was at your show with the power to actually advance your career and you had no idea. And a lot of people don't fully respect that that's happening every single time you're at the console, especially in places like LA and Vegas or New York always. And I think the way you put it early is over put in the effort because, you know, yes, it's really easy to just put up a wash for the opening act and, and hang out and have a drink or something. But, but man, if you're, if you're smashing buttons in time with the opening act and next thing you know, their manager comes out like, Hey, we just hit it big. You're coming with us. It happens. It's yep. a Cinderella story, but man, it happens. It, it won't happen yeah. if you don't overput the effort. Yeah. You never know. It's um, you never know who's in the crowd. There's so many people there, um, especially for some of the new artists. You don't know if it's their manager. You don't know if they manage another band. Um, you, you never know who's out there. Um, and, you know, I, I definitely realized that. And that's why I just put in, 
the the extra work you know all the time um even some of those bands and um smaller artists that i kind of did lights for then like i'm reconnecting with them now and they remember me because i put in that work and now that they are big i can like work for them so um you never know you never know who's out there is one thing but you also never know who the people that you do meet are going to become in the future um a lot of these people like oh if you're not you know if you're not good enough you're not cool enough you know i'm not going to talk to you type of thing and uh, i feel like there's a lot of that like stigma in our industry um if you're not like on this certain level you're kind of not like in the cool crowd or whatever, but you have no idea, you know, they may become the next big thing, you know, years from now. Um, so yeah, it's kind of just always doing work and be nice to everyone. Um, it'll, it'll pay itself back. So what's your first day at Erica Badu in the Erica Badu camp? Like, did you feel like you were like, you belong there? Um, I did actually, um, that whole camp, um, they have all worked with her for 10 plus years. Um, the band, the crew, everything, they, they've worked with her for a very long time. Um, there's no like set list or anything like that for the show. Like she can look at the band a certain way and like they know what song to play or they know like how to play. So they literally just jam um, and play songs. And um, it's, it's like a family. Um, the production manager, his name is uh, Kenneth Williams. Um, he is production manager, but also um, mixes uh, audio. Um, he does, you know, recording for audio as well, not just live. And um, he was a great mentor to me of just uh, kind of about the industry and stuff like that. Um, and my first, uh, oh, so that's that's another funny one actually is my, my first gig that I had with them was the biggest show that she's ever done. I don't think she's, I've been with her probably five years or so now, and she still hasn't done a show bigger than the first one I did. Um, Baptism and, by fire right there. Just, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And it was, Chuck also, Darius in there. it was also one of my first times on the MA as well. Um, thank God. Thank God I knew it then. Um, but I'm not going to say who I did it for um, because I don't want to share that, but the first gig that I got on the MA was a pretty big show. Um, and they said, Hey, like uh, we have this gig. Um, Cause I worked for just various production companies at that point doing stuff. And they're like, Hey, we work, uh, we have this gig. Um, do you know the grand MA? And I was like, yeah, I, I know it. And they're like, okay, cool. I had never touched the MA in my life. <laughs> and uh, once I hung up the phone, I'm like, oh shit, like I need to, I need to learn this now. Um, so I spent about like two weeks um, on YouTube, um, literally reading the manual, downloading MA. Luckily that stuff was free. Like YouTube, the manuals, um, Grand MA on PC, like, thank God that's free. Grand MA 3D, like, thank God that's all free. Um, yeah. I connected all that up um, in my apartment and I spent two weeks, like, just doing that. Just like, I knew how to, I knew how to program. I like, so that made it easy. Uh, not easy, but it helped, you know, I knew how to program. I knew what looked good, but learning the console from going to Ava Lights to that is like a huge that's huge upgrade yeah, yeah. A huge leap um and that was super stressful and um the hardest thing doing the gig really was when i got there the console is just so big and there's so many buttons <laughs> <laughs> and i was used to where everything was on on pc you know i didn't have like the command wing fader wing like i had it like on my laptop and that was the hardest thing. I was like, okay, I need to like know, like you need like muscle memory of like where these buttons are. I'm like, I don't know where all these buttons are. And that was honestly the, the hardest thing. But uh, I got through the gig. I didn't like, I didn't mess it up at all. Um, and where's the that, on button? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that too. Yeah, there, there's no on button on MPC, on, on PC. Um, <laughs> yeah, so I, I kind of learned the MA there and um from, I, wanted to, from, I just want to interrupt for a second. Like that <laughs> takes a set of balls right there. That is that is really brave. I mean, it's 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 borderline stupid, 
I hope we've taken that the right way. Yeah, yeah, no, for sure. But man, that is really brave. I mean, I'm really glad to hear that all the resources are available for stuff like that. But I mean, if that had fallen apart, you'd have been destroyed. 100%. But you pulled it off. And so, so it's brave. Yeah, yeah. That's um, crazy. That's a great story. Yeah, I mean, when I want to figure something out, like I figure it out, like I didn't spend a day on it. Like I spent like two weeks straight, like I'm going to learn, I'm going to learn it. Um, so I think kind of with anything, it's, you know, dedication and the information is out there, especially with this day and age of the internet and YouTube and stuff, like pretty much everything I've learned, you know, for the most part has been from like online or YouTube, or at least the basics of it. Um, and, you know, additional info on that has been from, you know, people in the industry. Um, but yeah, I mean, thankfully we're in this age that we can, you know, learn stuff like that, but yeah, definitely, um, wouldn't recommend doing that to anyone, um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, unless, you know, you could pull it off. I knew that I would be able to do it. Um, I knew, I knew I wouldn't be great, but I knew I could pull it off and that that's really all that mattered. But, so let's um, go, uh, yeah, let's go on from Eric Abadu. Yeah. And then, I mean, that's kind of a, a normal rock and roll show like you can it's a three hour it's a two hour one hour 90 minutes sort of thing yep but you still had the goal of being the electric dance ld was that still in your was that still in a goal in sight um it still was a goal in sight yeah um by then i was doing um some festivals um some like dance music festivals and stuff just as the house LD. Um, and that was, I, I kind of learned it at that point and also at House of Blues that in order to run the lights for those, for the artists I wanted to, you had to be the artist LD and not like the production LD. So right. kind of before the Erykah Badu thing happened, I that was kind of another step that I learned that I needed to work for the artist. Um, so at that point, um, that's how I met. Uh, well, I guess first the, that first Erica Badu show was um, it was for uh, Essence Festival, um, and uh, it's at the Mercedes Benz like Superdome, um, and it's this yeah. crazy huge show. So that was that show I was talking about. Like that was my first show with her. Um, That's I huge. Never do like I was. I was actually like so nervous. I was. I that was like one of the one times I was actually like scared. I'm like this one I like can't mess up this isn't like this isn't a joke um <laughs> but um, i pulled that one off and then i got i had like confirmed the gig from there so when i did, did that i'm like okay i can do anything if i can do like this crazy huge there was i mean i i don't even know how many lights there were it was like ridiculous it was it was too much um that was probably <laughs> one of the biggest shows i've ever done um that mattered at least. Um, I, I've done pretty much all the festivals by now, and that was like one of the biggest shows. And the main thing is just when you're in, when you're doing like slow music and stuff like that, it's very noticeable if you mess up. If I like hit the strobe on accident, um, you can tell because the music is so slow and everyone's so focused. Um, when you're doing mm -hmm. rock and electronic music, like I can hit the strobe randomly, like no one's gonna, no one's gonna like stop and like look type of thing. Um, <laughs> nobody's looking back at the front house console like what yeah, was that yeah um but yeah the electronic music thing um i actually got into that um i was doing lights at a festival for um it was uh chain smokers and um who was the other uh chromio so got i was it. running lights for chromio and chain smokers and they didn't have an ld at this time I ran lights. Uh, it was Chromeo, Chainsmokers, and then Diplo was next. Okay. And um, I ran lights for both of them. Same thing. Just put in as much work as I could. I'm like, hey, you know, I got the Erica Badu thing from doing lights at the observatory by someone in the crowd noticing festival. There's even yep. more people. The same thing can happen. So same thing, you know, after load in. I want to go out for drinks with everyone. I want to go, you know, out to eat before, after the show, go back to the hotel and just program as much as I could to make, you know, the show looking as good as I can. I, I did that for everything. And um, yeah, I did lights for both of them. Chromeo Chainsmokers did a great job with it. LD 
for Diplo was next and he was he was standing right there same thing happened at that point he was like hey you um you know that was that was a great job um we need some help um in the possible future and that was the kind of thing like you know the original email like yeah we'll keep your info and file thing it was kind of like that like but he actually reached out to me um his name's Kyle Keegan um Voyage Productions so Kyle Keegan and Devin Brown they uh they run that company. Um, they were in LA at the time. They're they're in Denver now. But uh, yeah, I met I met Kyle Keegan. He got my info. I didn't hear from him for probably a couple months. Um, and he emailed me, same thing. Um, hey, I got a project. Um, and I don't think I was in LA at the time. I think I was living in Long Beach because I was still working at the observatory and stuff. So I, I lived out in Long Beach. Same thing. He's like, That's hey, a I'm huge leaving. compliment. Yeah. <laughs> he had um, emailed me. He was like, I'm leaving tomorrow. Um, can you meet today? Um, I have uh, a possible like gig I need your help on. I drove to LA. I was like, yeah, I can meet you. Like what time? It was like, this was like on hours notice. I'm like, cool. Like luckily I was available um, and able to go. So I, I met him and um I, he told me the the project was for Major Laser. He was like, hey, we have this um, show for Major Laser that I'd want your help on. And I'm like, yeah, okay, cool. I did the meeting and left. And I was so stoked. Like I, I kept like my composure like there, you know, but um, <laughs> I was so stoked because um, I had finally got like the chance to do something huge, huge artist. Um, I finally got the chance to be a part of that. And on top of that, like I knew what I was doing at that point. Like I knew that I would kill it and, you know, do a great job because I've already went through all the hurdles, you know, before that. The project for that was they didn't headline. I think we're right before the headliner, but we did. Um, uh, it was major laser at Coachella and we did we did main stage at Coachella, did rehearsals and programming and in, uh, in Vegas. And we stayed there for two weeks programmed all the lighting, programmed all the video. Um, it was me, me, Kyle Keegan, and Devin. Devin and Kyle kind of ran the whole thing, but I, I helped program and everything. Stayed up, you know, getting that done. And from there, the, everything kind of just has taken off from that point. Um, we did the Coachella show, and from there, we kind of just toured the world, um, did stuff. Um, and at that point, maybe a year or so in is when, uh, I decided to just start my own company doing, doing the same thing. This is a, a testament to your adaptability here. It seems like no matter what happens, you're just willing to hop in with, with both feet and just kind of figure your way out. Kind of, it's like, it is a testament to your adaptability. I can only imagine that nowadays that's more important than ever. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And you know, now that has kind of changed, you know, has changed everything that, I mean, that's kind of my story on, on that side of things. But um, once this kind of a uh, COVID era happened, it kind of changed the way we do everything. Now it was, you know, just time for me to adapt again. And so I did during the time I was doing all the, you know, electronic music stuff. I started to ask when I started getting into video as well. I felt like I did everything lighting related already. There's only so much you can do and so much you can learn. Um, so I kind of dived into video as like, that's kind of me adapting again as just getting into video stuff. And video is way easier than lights. Um, <laughs> there's there's <laughs> less there's less attributes and less, you don't have to worry about DMX. There's like so much to worry about. Whereas video, you got like HDMI, you know, you got SDI. Yeah. You got like a couple connections and you're putting an image on the screen. There's like mapping to it, but it's way easier. Like making content is a whole another thing. Um, that's definitely a whole another league right there. But as far as just like running video, um, it's way easier than lighting is. And I'm super grateful that I learned lighting first because if I would have learned video first, I wouldn't have learned lighting because it would have been way too hard to dive into. Um, especially now, you know, the older we get, kind of the less time we have when you're young, you can have hobbies and learn all that mm -hmm. stuff. And I learned lighting during that time, but you know, we're kind of limited, limited now, but yeah. It's, it sounds like you've said yes to every opportunity that's ever been presented. Do you ever, do you ever say no? Do you ever uh, turn things down? 
Um, yeah, that's a good one. I kind of do say yes to everything. I do turn things down now, but in the beginning, it was kind of just proving myself really, um, especially doing electronic music stuff. I guess the times I would say no to stuff now is if I know that it's going to be, um, if I if I know it's not going to be a good gig type of thing. Okay. Like, like if it's last minute, you know, some of the things like, hey, we need, we need an LD, you know, like, cool. When is it? You know, we need, we need you tomorrow. I'm like, okay. Like there's, a, it's already bad there. Like if, if something like that's <laughs> happening, you know, something like that's happening. I already know it's unorganized. First of all, um, there's some kind of drama or something has happened. Um, anytime I have done that stuff in the past, it's always some kind of issue. Um, spidey senses are tingling. Yeah. Here. That's um, something right. Yeah. And yeah, it's, it's just always, you know, something bad there. Um, and I guess the second reason why I've turned stuff down is um, if I have a instinct that it, there's going to be problems with like paying for the gig. Um, and that's kind of with the same unorganized type of thing. Like once you start like discussing stuff and it's kind of like weird, then I'm like, okay, cool. You need to make a deposit then. And then, you know, I'll confirm it. And then if they start getting weird with that, then I know that I'm like, all right, this isn't for me. I'm just not going to do it. But as far as the opportunity goes and everything is like legit and like seems legit, I kind of will do, um, I'll do anything or at least, um, or at least pass it on to someone that I do know. Um, there's a lot of stuff that I pass on. And that's kind of what has grown me to, you know, start my company is when I, um, when I started working, you know, for these artists and doing these shows, I was so busy that, you know, some of the people I worked for in the past, um, they would still ask me, you know, to do work like, Hey, can you do this show? And um, I couldn't do the show because I'm, you know, on tour, I'm doing this. But along the way, I've met all these people, you know, that I do know are good and that I do know will work well with the artists and kind of do a good job. So instead of me like passing on all this stuff, why don't I just like do all of it, but just kind of facilitate it and like manage it. So that's kind of why I take everything on. If I wasn't doing that, I definitely want to say yeah to everything. I guess that's how Lit Creative became an entity. You're like, well, instead of passing it on, I want to kind of keep it, but but also hand it off to one of my one of my coworkers. Yeah, for sure. And um, you know, I I spoke on it earlier about just helping other people that have you know that are up and coming and that you know need a chance because I was given so many chances uh, when I was younger and coming up. So um, that's kind of what Lit Creative was based on is finding you know, these other, you know, young up and coming, um, like LDs, um, video guys and stuff that are talented, um, and that do have a a lot of, you know, knowledge, but they haven't been given the opportunity to do, you know, these bigger shows. So that's kind of what my whole company is based off of is, um, kind of giving people a chance, um, that I know that, you know, that they're good, you know, because obviously if they're, if they're not, then that would hurt my reputation as well. But, that's kind of, that's kind of how, you know, we've grown for sure. Right on. So we are almost out of time, but uh, how is that working out for you during the COVID time? Would you kind of, I, I would imagine that you, you're very happy to have a team with you, but is it, is it the extra responsibility uh, tough on you? Yeah, that's one thing that's really tough. Um, especially now that there's less and less work. Um, having to worry about not only myself, but others and knowing that they're relying on me as well can get pretty hard. Luckily, there has been enough work, um, but we have just, you know, uh, just kept adapting. As long as everyone's willing to adapt, then, you know, everyone will be all right. Um, If you're not willing to adapt, then, you know, it's not going to work. Um, I think it's a, I think it's a quote that I saw from you on an old email that I still think about today. And it was um, the measure of intelligence is the ability to adapt or something like that. You had, had yeah. that in your email. Yeah, that's true. And um, yeah. So I remember you had that. It's not in your email now, but I like that. You have another one now, uh, but I like, I like that one. Or maybe it wasn't in the email. Maybe, I don't know. I think you just mentioned it when I was telling you about it. Yeah. So you had mentioned it. Um, the measure of intelligence is the ability to adapt. And um, 
I've adapted so much and we definitely do that now. So now what we do is um, kind of all live stream stuff. And there's a lot of uh, companies just basically doing a concert version of live streams, but we're kind of doing more of a interactive um, type of live streams of whether it's live streaming, but um, adding a Zoom call to the live stream and putting people up on the screen or like playing games during the live stream. Just like now that, you know, everyone's on the computer, we can, um, people are looking for that interaction now. You're already so disconnected from being there with someone and watching them on the screen you already disconnected from them so why be more disconnected by like putting them on a stage with like all this lights and then you're still watching it on a screen you're even more further away so our whole goal is to kind of bring you know bring that connection as close as we can and um and some of that is you know adding adding zoom stuff to it we've done festivals where you know there's a zoom call and the zoom call is on the led wall so the artist can see you know, actual people watching, um, people are doing that more now. And, um, some of the award shows I've seen, they're like kind of integrating that stuff now. Um, but we started doing that, you know, back in like April, you know, when kind of everything started first locking down, but yeah, um, now I've kind of started another company, um, with a friend of mine, uh, Luke McNeese. Um, he's a Diplo's tour manager actually, and manages some other artists as well. And um, we kind of started a new company. It's called Two Eyes, um, spelled 23Y35. Let's pronounce Two Eyes. And um, we're just focusing on like corporate live stream events. So during, and it's kind of the same crew as the creative, but it's just a more corporate branch than um, live music. We've been doing a lot of uh, fundraisers and galas and, um, sponsored events, stuff like that. So we're doing a lot of that kind of stuff now, whether it's like XR, AR, um, podcasts, a little bit of everything. So right on, man. That is, uh, that's really refreshing to hear. It's good to hear about people just not being set in any old, any old ways and just being willing to say yes and open to adapting to new, the new situation. For sure. I don't think that anything that we learn these days will will die with the pandemic. I think these are all going to be things that we're going to be able to carry on long into the, the new, the new norm normalcy. Yeah, I think so. Um, you know, there's a lot of discussions about that now of what do events look like in the future? And, um, we just don't know for me. It's, uh, it's, there's really no point in talking about that because to me, it doesn't matter. Uh, let's just worry about right now and what are we doing right now? And we'll find out in the future what we're doing then. Um, but as long as we just keep, you know, adapting and trying new things and seeing if they work, you know, we're, uh, we're, we're the ones that built the future. So instead of, you know, talking yeah. about it, let's just, let's just make it happen. Thank you so much for your time. And I really appreciate it, Darius. This has been great. Yeah. Thanks for having me.